Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I am your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, George Plaster of Nashville Sports Radio. This episode is presented by the Well Coffee House, which is a Nashville area coffee house that provides fresh roast coffee, along with house-made pastries, breakfast, and lunch offerings. There are four locations to serve you in the Nashville area. Those are Brentwood, Green Hills downtown, and Bellevue. You can get more information at wellcoffeehouse.org, the Well Coffee House where coffee changes lives. We thank our co-presenting sponsor, Wellspire, Nashville's Learning and Development Center, which is located in the Gulch. Today's news is presented by Sutherland and Belk, an SEC sports-loving injury firm in Nashville. These guys will shoot you straight on your rights and options when you have been injured in an accident. Call them today at 615-846-6200 to get your questions answered. You can also visit them online at sbinjurylaw.com. Well, several honors coming the way of Vanderbilt teams and athletes by the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame. The 2019 Commodore baseball team was the male amateur team of the year, while Kumar Rocker was the co-amateur male athlete of the year. Uh, Perry Wallace will be honored posthumously with the David Williams Significant Historical Achievement Award, and Commodore bowler Maria Bulanova will be named the Amateur Female Athlete of the Year. The guest line is presented by Bowling Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. Had no clue what I was missing until I got Bowling Branch sheets. They are fair trade certified, which means they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them for a month. You can return them for free, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to BowlingBranch.com. That's spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code Vandy and get $50 off your first set of sheets. George Plaster joins me. He, of course, has the afternoon show from 2 to 4 on Nashville Sports Radio. You can find that at 95.9 on your FM dial in the Nashville area. George, thank you for joining us today. I hope you are doing well. Chris, I am making it. Hope everybody else is uh, safe and healthy. Are you running up against a limit where there's just not much to talk about on the radio now? I mean, the draft is over. That's been one of the big buildups. We have Major League Baseball in the background, maybe once a week making noise about playing. Other than that, doesn't seem like there's a whole lot to talk about. What are the things that your listeners are wanting to hear about? Well, I think they kind of want to know what the plans are as far as any future games. Um to be honest, this has not been as hard as, as I thought it would be. I think I told you this a couple of weeks ago. I gave myself a little bit of a pep talk and said, you know, you've been doing this a long time. Your advantage needs to be that just simply because you're older, that your Rolodex is larger. And, you know, I've used that Rolodex pretty good. I really have not had any trouble yet as far as, you know, trying to make a show go. I made the decision that we were going to talk sports, that uh, uh, we weren't going to resort to a bunch of tricky stuff. And so far, we've been able to pull that off pretty good. Um, You know, Terry has certainly been a help. Watson's been a help as far as getting guests. Uh, But I've tried to put a little more thought into it each weekend. Um, You know, what are we going to do? That kind of thing. 
But back to trying to answer your question, I do think that what they want is some idea of where all this is going as far as the various sports. And each week something new pops up. And I'm starting to get hopeful that we're going to see some sports really sooner rather. We will get into Major League Baseball in the mailbag. We had a listener who had a question about that, but it is sure starting to sound like they will be playing college football in the fall. Uh, I lost you there for a second. You think they are or they aren't? I think they are. And sorry, the connection is Do you really? going back. Yeah, I mean, it, it's maybe just a gut feeling, uh, reading between the lines of some things. But the thing that I've said all along is this thing can change at any minute. It's a pandemic. People could get reckless with things too quickly. It could come back in a second wave. I mean, there's any number of possibilities. It's a virus we haven't dealt with before. So that alone makes this whole issue tricky. But and the one thing that does bother me, I feel like when I've gone out the last week, I'm maybe not seeing quite as many people out with masks. I feel like people are maybe letting their guard down a little bit. So maybe that's a little bit of a hazard. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to play this fall. We'll see. Wow. You know, that's interesting because I have, uh, and and whatever I put out there doesn't mean a hill of beans. I've thought for a while that college football is different than the pro game in that they need the spectators and they're going to have to have the spectators and that what would end up happening is that they would move college football to the spring the NFL would jump in not needing the fans and say, listen, we're going whenever it is they're going. You know, now I keep hearing October 15th. But what I thought they would do is sort of steal the college game's Saturday slot, put an NFL triple header on every Saturday, and then put, you know, the other eight or nine regular season games on the next day on Sunday and really make the networks happy. It, that still may happen. Who knows? Well, I mean, we're, we're all still guessing at this point. Uh, at which point, let's turn to something that's, I guess, guessing a little bit because I think it's still unresolved. But the NCA made an announcement yesterday. It is moving towards the allowance of students to profit off their name, image, and likeness, although they want to rope off boosters from that and use, as they call it, guardrails, which I think is silly and stupid. I talked about it on your show yesterday. What has been the reaction you've gotten from your listeners to this issue? Oh, I think it's sort of a wait and see of trying to figure out what does this really mean and what are the ramifications. I think everybody knows that this is a slippery slope, that you're probably asking for trouble. But the NCAA apparently has gotten itself backed into enough of a corner where they felt like they have to do this. You know as well as I do, they go kicking and screaming any other time at this thought. So the fact that they're giving in indicates they know that they no longer hold the upper hand with the public. It's funny you said kicking and screaming. What the NCAA did yesterday is trying to act like it's not doing that. 
in saying that they've been moving towards this for a while. Well, somebody, I think, in the athletic just called nonsense on that, said, you know, they fought this at every step. What's happened is the courts are getting out ahead of them and enforcing their hands. I felt like the stuff that Mark Emmert said was kind of like a response that, that my son said one time. He was talking – I was talking to my wife on the phone. He was three at the time, and he was in the car, and he heard me. I was talking about the difficulty of getting him out the door to go to preschool that morning. And they went kicking and screaming. And he looked at me and he said, Dad, I was not kicking. And I said, yes, but you were screaming. And he said, yes. <laughs> I love it. I kind of described what you were doing. You didn't want to nitpick me on that. That's kind of what the NCA has, has done here. But uh, I understand why the NCA is opposed to this because they can control the cash. And I think any business that can control that would – but they set their student-athletes up to violate their own rules, is what I'm trying to say, for taking what the market says they are entitled to have. I understand why the NCAA is against this. I don't understand why so many fans are still against this concept. They say, well, it destroys the integrity of competition. I'm like, well, have you not been reading the news? That got destroyed a long time ago. You got people that are paying kids under the table. This has been going on for a long time. I don't understand why so many people... I still want to pretend that there's some concept of amateurism that by allowing this to go through, it's going to just destroy everything. Where does that come from? Well, I think, first of all, nobody quite knows what to make out of all of this. For instance, does a kid who has real, um, you know, star power, let's take Trevor Lawrence. So does he go out under this thing and hire a company to go do his marketing for him? And then, you know, when they do, is Trevor, you know, all over the place with, you know, aggressive billboard campaigns and come over to Clemson Ford where you get your best deal on a truck and the backup quarterback sitting there and, you know, he can't get anything. I just think it, you know, I hate that it's gotten to this, but I also understand the player's side of it as well. I guess. What I'm being is either a little two-faced or a little wishy-washy in that I understand why it's gotten here, but I don't take it as a big victory that this is happening because I think it opens up the opportunity for all kinds of crazy stuff. Well, the crazy stuff is going to happen anyway. That's what people have got to get their arms around. It's just do we want to make this a thing where it's not – Against the rules, I think you're protecting the kids that way more, honestly. I don't know how you blame a kid whose family is dirt poor, who has an opportunity to grab some cash, who can't go to the pros, to either capitalize on their market value or in the the sense of some of these kids who come from nothing. You know, if, if you take a penny, you violated the rules, so right. you put a kid sometimes in a place between making a choice that is right for his family or making a choice that breaks the rules. And why is it if you're, quote unquote, protecting the kids, why do you want to put them in that spot? Look, I'm in total agreement with you that the players ought to get something, in particular on the football level where they're the ones producing all the revenue. I think where it gets a little bit murky is in exactly how this is going to go down. For instance, let's just name some schools here out of the SEC, Alabama and Florida. 
So is now part of their recruiting process to essentially hire some sort of a marketing firm where they can go to a kid and say, okay, if you end up signing here, here are the benefit deals that you will get out of this. You'll get a sponsorship deal from the Ford dealership. You'll get, you know, Tuscaloosa Stakes. You'll get, you get where I'm going with all this. I mean, there's a level of uncertainty here that really makes you a little queasy. Well, they can't enforce what they're trying to enforce. I don't understand why they want to make this so complicated. Just let the market decide what it decides. If the school's boosters still want to pay kids to come to a school, they're going to do it. So why all these gymnastics? Well, it's a little bit like the political world. The NCAA desperately wants you to think they're in total control because they have been in total control for a long time. And all of a sudden that wall is kind of crumbling below them and they don't really know what to do. And they don't like the fact that they may not have the upper hand that they have always had in the past. You know, if you think about it, if the NCAA had its way, Georgia and Oklahoma would never have won the TV deal. And we'd be sitting here in 2020 watching one college football game per day. That'd be the two thirty game used to be on ABC. That's about the way the NCAA wanted it. I just, they just take so long to catch up with reality. It, it is really mind-boggling. Yeah. By the way, has anybody ever spotted Mark Embert and Newt Gingrich in the same room? <laughs> no, but I'll say this. If they can get that picture, it might be worth some money. Has, it, has nobody ever noticed that but me? But, I mean, I look at him, and Newt's a little bit older now, but I'm like, he, he looks so much like him. Yeah. It's a good point. Let's go to the mailbag, which is sponsored by Mark Jen of Simply a Fan. Mark organizes road trips to sporting events across the country and is doing so for several Vanderbilt Baseball Road Series. When there's baseball again, go to simplyafan.com to get more information. Tell them you heard about it on the podcast. The Superior says, what do you think Will Purdue's response to was to Michael Jordan's Will Vanderbilt comments? During that time, Vanderbilt was winning big during the Fogler years and beat UNC during the 1980s. You know Will pretty well. Have you talked to him about any of this Jordan documentary stuff? Oh, yeah. I've had him on the air twice. And let me say this. um, Both of the interviews are spectacular. If you've enjoyed the last dance and you want a little bit more of the the behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, here's a a plug for our website, WNSR.com. Two interviews with Will Purdue are both up there. They have both happened the Monday after, um, a- after the 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 two airings of of the Last Dance. Th- this was never an easy ride. Um, you know, Will has given me enough uh, info over the years that I knew that it was a real struggle. In particular, particularly, it was a struggle for the guys that weren't superstars. It was probably a lot easier for Scottie Pippen than it was for Will Purdue. 
Uh, I think to his credit, Will has never really said a lot publicly. I know about the comment about Purdue and you don't deserve to have a Big Ten name. Um, you know, that that's just the way Jordan was. And, um, you know, it got him six NBA titles. But I wonder at what cost, because as I look at what's going on now, and you say, okay, why would Jordan allow this documentary to air? I think there are a couple of things. Number one, I think he's bothered by the fact that he's become yesterday's news. He has not been a very effective executive with the Charlotte Hornets, um, Charlotte Bobcats, whatever they have been during the time that, you know, he's had ownership in them. That's the first thing. I think the second thing is, I think it has driven Michael Jordan absolutely crazy that there's a demographic that never saw him play that believes that LeBron James is the best player ever in the NBA. I think that drives Michael absolutely crazy. And I think it's a big motivation for why he has allowed this to come out, because I think he wanted a younger generation to say, whoa, hold on a minute. Have you seen this guy, Jordan? He was unbelievable. That's interesting. You say allowed it to come out. I think that literally is true. I think that ESPN had to get his permission. I think they filmed it, but I think if I understand correctly, they said to him, we will never air this unless we get your permission. Isn't that the correct version of things? Yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right about that. Um, you know, the other guy, and I haven't had him on yet, but I got to know Tim Floyd when he was the coach at the University of New Orleans. And what a treat it was. New Orleans, back in the, back around 1993, New Orleans and Western Kentucky were the two best teams in the old Sun Belt. And I remember doing a game. I actually did both the home and the road games between them that year. And it was coaching brilliance. It was Ralph Willard against Tim Floyd. And I mean, these two teams got after it like nothing you have ever seen. And through that, I got to know Tim Floyd a little bit. And I remember, um, you know, the rumors that had gone on that Jerry Krause all along wanted Tim Floyd and was very admitted that he put a stop to all that happening uh, for the start of the 95-96 season. Krause had this in his mind. I will say this one thing about Krause. Krause has not looked very good in this documentary. In the first interview I did with Will Perdue, he shocked me by saying that there was another side to Krause that was actually very kind, and that in particular, he really appreciated the kindness that Jerry Krause showed his mom and dad when they would come up to Chicago to see Will. And so I I would encourage anybody to listen to those two interviews. And I'm very thankful, very appreciative that Will and I have the kind of friendship that he would be willing to come on and, you know, kind of spill the beans about all of it. Yeah, I think that shocks a lot of people about Jerry Krause. Here's the other thing that I would throw out there, um, Chris. 
ESPN has sort of portrayed the bitterness between Michael Jordan and Isaiah Thomas uh, over the refusal of the Pistons to shake the Bulls' hands after the Bulls swept them. That isn't it at all. I remember when Isaiah Thomas got caught by Michael Jordan essentially freezing him out at the All-Star game, either Michael Jordan's rookie year or second year. Isaiah got a group of players together, and they sort of made a pact that they weren't going to throw Jordan the ball. And that's what a lot of this is all about. Wow. Well, no wonder. Yeah. Yeah, in the second interview that I did with Will, that's the first question I asked him. And he admitted that all along, that's what he thought it was all about. Yeah. Well, um, you the mailbag not... was be- hey, the mailbag was better than the first stuff, wasn't it? Well, there's another mailbag question coming. Look, I mean, we're all in a spot. There's just not much to talk about. Um, I've not gotten to watch that yet. Everybody's raving about it. On a scale of one to ten, what do you give what you've seen so far? Twelve. Wow, that good. Man, I think it's – well, of course, understand, I, I'm very interested in that. That's right in my wheelhouse. And over the years, I've had a lot of uh, opportunity to talk to Will about it. And I can remember one time Will telling me that when Michael Jordan wanted to go to the movies, that Richard Dent, uh, the former Tennessee State star who later played for the Bears, would sort of be a bodyguard for Jordan to be able to go to the movies. And, um, yeah, so, you know, obviously I I would be somebody who'd be incredibly interested in it, but judging by the ratings, so have a bunch of other people, either it's really good or by default, since there's nothing else out there, this thing has been a total home run. Yeah, that's, that's on my to-do list of things to get around to. Last question from Mr. Vandy, do you think there will be pro baseball this season? Yeah, I'm starting to uh, to get encouraged by it just because of the reports that are coming out. But I'll also tell you, Chris, that when, when I read the reports and then start thinking about what are the obstacles that, you know, are still out there, those obstacles are massive. And, you know, I wonder, I guess my love of baseball has got me saying I'll take baseball no matter how I can get it. But I wonder if all of these sports eventually just have to look up and say, here's a list of all the obstacles that we were facing. We just couldn't make it work. Uh, So I'm giving you two different answers. I'm hopeful based on what I've been reading lately that it is going to happen. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Well, the Bob Nightingale piece yesterday, we were doing this Thursday, in USA Today – was painted a fairly optimistic picture. I think it quoted a source is saying they were pretty optimistic in so many words, but the East West central divisions were interesting because there were five NL teams and five AL teams in each of those. I don't know because there were questions I had like, okay, if you've got like two divisions, like, or two leagues, like an AL and NL, then it makes it easier to do a championship because just having coming at it from opposite sides. That's the one thing that's not been specified is how you do it with three. But then I looked and I thought, well, maybe it's not coincidental that there's five teams from each league in those 10-team divisions. 
Maybe they split those into AL and NL some way, and I, I don't know what they do exactly, but uh, that was interesting to me that the divisions were split that way. I'm just still waiting for some details that I didn't see in that piece. Here seemed to me to be the two big obstacles on the baseball front. Number one, they still appear to be really at odds over what money the players are going to get and how to distribute it. And I would, you know, if I was in a room trying to give these people advice, if they were that down on their luck that they needed me, I would tell both sides, listen, get this part of it solved without it getting out in public because the public does not want to hear about a bunch of greedy ball players while they're struggling with, you know, 20% unemployment bickering over, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. The public doesn't want to hear that right now. And on the owner's side, kind of the same thing goes, you know, they're not all in the poor house. Let's figure out a way to get the money part solved. That seems to me to be issue number one. And uh, and then you get into what are all the other issues. I think the second big issue is to try to figure out um, the players wanting to not spend four consecutive months in one of these bubbles. I've thought if they could pull it off, what they ought to do is a split season go back to the rules that they used after the 81 strike and essentially play two different split seasons. One of those, let's say between July 1st and August 15th, make that a 50 game and 45 day schedule, give the players 10 days off, come back August the 25th for the second half, run that through about October the 10th, you know, you've seen all this stuff where they're admitting that their postseason may go all the way into early December in warm weather. So, you know, what the heck? Um, compromise, give the players, you know, one 10-day gap where they can go back to their families. But then I know what people are saying. What about the testing? What You know, there are so many obstacles to all of this. And when you start playing it all out, and every once in a while I do on the air, it's staggering. I'll say this, uh, another cheap plug for our show. Today at 3 o'clock, Danny Evans, who's the former general manager of the Dodgers back in the early 2000s and a great friend of mine, will be on. He'll be on every week during baseball season. And, you know, Danny will run through some of the obstacles and some of his thoughts on it. And it's fascinating. Uh, I'm I'm not sure I would want to be the person trying to figure out how to make this work. Well, from a player standpoint, I think the players got to realize: look, you can't have it both ways. You can't clamor for money um, and the things that they're going to want out of this on one hand, and complain about well, family and these things on the other side. I mean, I, I think that there's a balance in between. You've got to realize that you're going to suffer a lot, too, unless you bend over backwards to make this work. Uh, that might include maybe not seeing their families as much as they want or maybe accommodating out of their own pocket to, to bring their families in. But it just seems to me like you can't have it both ways. Maybe I'm overstating the argument, but 
uh, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna gripe about the money and getting your fair share, you've got to realize the revenue's got to come somewhere out of the owner's pocket, uh, and there's gonna have to be some concessions on your side to make that happen. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that Danny brought up a week ago, which I found really interesting, he said that the study that they did after the 81 strike is that the guys, the single guys, did a lot better when they came back. They were the ones more likely to be working out and really taking it seriously, while the guys that were married, uh, you know, sort of went back to their families, may have gone on the assumption that the strike was going to cancel the 81 season and the married guys didn't do nearly as well. I had never heard that before, but Danny has all that analytics stuff with him. George, I lost you there for a minute. Uh, you know, one thing that's different, these guys make 10 times the money now that they did then or, or more than that. Maybe. Yeah, which is why I don't think the public wants to hear any of this. It's probably, um, it's probably closer you know, to 20, actually. Yeah, Buster Olney came out with something here recently that, you know, I think he was spot on about that they need to, they need to get that figured out and figured out quietly uh, before the general public gets pissed off reading about the greedy players and the greedy owners. I mean, there's enough money to go around. They need to find that solution. Uh, and they need to do it quickly and quietly. George, thank you for joining us today. I know you teased one thing on your show. That'll be interesting. If I get a chance, I'd like to tune into that today. But anything else that's coming up on your show that the audience would want to be aware of? And also, please give out your Twitter handle as well. Yeah, to the shock of uh, everybody, I'm now on Twitter as of about, I guess, about 10 months now. Uh, George Plaster TN. Uh, if you're desperate for content, uh, come on over and um, hope you'll enjoy the site. And Chris, uh, it's a beautiful day. I just wish it was, uh, I wish we had ball games, but uh, it looks like it's going to be a while. Yeah, I hope so too. We had a uh, tearful conversation with our son when we told him his season was canceled. That did not. Uh go very well on his end. So uh, I think that summarizes a lot of people's feelings. But, George, thank you for joining us today, and we will probably catch up with you again next week. Chris, look forward to it and appreciate all your contributions on my show as well. You stay safe and healthy. Likewise to you. He is George Plaster. I'm Chris Lee. Thank you for listening to the Evandy Sports Podcast.